River Road, you got me running way back home. River Road, you got me running all night long. You got me singing some canal boat song. River Road, River Road, you got me running all night long. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Niner Nuts. We are two best buddies who are nuts about the 49ers, and I'm your first co-host, Dan, and I definitely uh, didn't hit the record button right, I guess, but uh, we're on now. James is with me on the other side. Say hello, James. Hey, guys. What's up? (laughs) Yes, we are here, and uh, a couple days ago... The Niners played the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota for the second week of the preseason, the penultimate game. They're currently in San Francisco, about to fly back to uh, Houston, Texas, to close out the preseason. Uh, That's just two days away from when we are taping this, and we're super excited to talk about that. But we just played the Vikings, like I said. So uh, overall, before we really dive into it, the offense, the defense, special teams, uh, this game, uh, I, I don't know if it's just because of, uh, the excitement there was in last year, last week, because it was the first game or whatnot, but, uh, we were just talking a little off mic and I don't know, this is more of what I'm used to in a preseason game. This was kind of up and down. There wasn't really anything like particularly exciting. Um, there's a couple players I do want to call out, uh, for good and bad reasons, but, um, Kyle, uh, he didn't dress, I think it was 27 players, pretty much everybody that was a starter. We did, The only people that I, I can recall, um, Juwan Jennings was out there for uh, a little bit, and then Jackson is obviously going to be a presumed eventual starter if he can unseat Ekibom based on the depth chart. Um, and then I just little moments here and there of other people. But um, yeah, it was pretty much all backup third and fourth stringers. And um, I was very surprised with some people. Uh, I was very disappointed in other people. There's one particular player I will call out when we get to it. But, I mean, overall, we escaped the victory, 17-7. to 7. I mean, it doesn't really matter in the, in the preseason. But it's uh, – overall, I did see a lot of really good things. Um, the bad things are things that are very, very, very fixable. And uh, in terms of this is these are who our backups are, I – yeah, we definitely got some gems in there. We got some we got some diamonds in the rough that uh, I, I feel comfortable. Uh, I won't get that nervous if they have to go out there for an injury or whatever reason. So uh, what did you think of the second game? Well, I mean, I think it was like, you know, it's you know, I think the 49ers definitely have depth on defense um, with the way um, they were able to uh, basically just stop Minnesota from basically doing pretty much anything for the day. Um, you know, Minnesota didn't seem to really be able to get anything going against the Niners, um, third and four stringers. So I was really impressed with the defense. Uh, also some of the, uh, you know, the, t- the players who are going to be on special teams and things like that. I was impressed with those, but I mean, this game didn't really have much to offer as far as excitement. I mean, it was, I mean, the final score was what seventeen to six, and yeah, seventeen so. to seven. So at least we agree there. the <laughs> The excitement factor was definitely not there. There was no seventy five yard bomb to Danny Green this time. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, I think, you know, I, I think, you know, people may be a little bit too excited about Brock Purdy. You know, I just I saw Niners Twitter. Um, and while he's doing great at making throws, um, 
to his first read, um, I would just, you know, I would be concerned for him coming into a game. But and it, hopefully we won't have to rely on him this year and Trey will stay healthy, you know. You know, but, I mean, Purdy could maybe get you a couple of games, if it's just a couple of games, but I definitely wouldn't want to rely on, on him throughout the whole season. Um, so I would just, you know, maybe Jimmy will stay. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, that's a good segue, actually, into um, the offense. The offense I definitely wanted to talk about first, um, since I have the box score up here. Birdie, Purdy and Sudfeld. Very interesting. I can't recall, um, probably because I don't watch preseason games that much. Um, they alternated. Um, I think it was every two, maybe three series. Um, it was. It started with Sudfeld. He was the starter, and then Purdy would come in, and then just uh, like the two-minute drill, Sudfeld came in, and then Purdy came out to start the second half. I think if I remember right. But their stats are actually kind of interesting. Purdy had more yards, fourteen to twenty-three, with no picks, uh, no interceptions. Uh, he did take two sacks. Uh, you'd have thought he would have taken a lot more with how he was scrambling out of the pocket now and then. But uh, Sudfeld, 13 to 17, one of two and one touchdown, one sack. Um, really, I that's interesting that you have so many more notes about uh, Purdy, because I honestly thought Sudfeld and Purdy, uh, they looked like they were cut from the same cloth, really. Like Sudfeld stood in the pocket a little stronger from what I can recall in the game. And... Um, Purdy definitely was like flushed out and looked like a kind of a scared chicken every now and then. But like you were saying with their first reads, when they were on, they were on, they threw strong, they threw accurate. Um, it was hit or miss if the receivers had the ball or not. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's one gripe I have about this game was a lot, a lot, a lot of fundamental problems, too many drops, too many offsides, too many lining up on the wrong, in the wrong spot. Just so many fundamental things wrong on offense and defense. Um, I think it was like four drop passes on offense that, Drove me nuts. Juwan Jennings has amazing hands, so that was very uncharacteristic of him. Uh, Danny Gray dropping a pass. Uh, one of our tight ends dropping it. It was, it was too many. That And there were wide open passes, too. They weren't even contested catches. So that drove me up a wall. But that aside, I don't know. I... I would probably pick Sudfeld too, just because you could you could see the 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 six years of experience under his belt. You could see his his little bit more confidence in the pocket. But um, yeah, honestly, I I was kind of impressed with Purdy. I thought I thought when uh, the offensive line held up and uh, like you said, that first read was open. I I don't know. I was very impressed. The, these po these two games we've seen Purdy, he's definitely playing better than I expected. Yeah, I would say he is playing better than what I expected. Two, I will admit, um, and actually it was Purdy who ran the two-minute drill uh, at the end of the first half because I wrote notes that he actually did well running the two-minute offense. Um, oh, okay, and that was that the, was that was my mix-up then. Okay, at the at the end of the first half. So he, I mean, you know, I think you know it's Shanahan's system. He's learning the system and things like that. So it's going to take time, you know. But you know, I think. I think people on Twitter may be getting too hyped about Purdy, thinking that, you know, there's somehow going to be a quarterback controversy between him and Trey Lance. And I just don't see that because, you know, I think, I mean, Purdy, if you watch Purdy, he's not really pushing the ball downfield, throwing it deep or trying to take deep shots or anything like that. You get more of that with Sudfeld than you do with Brock Purdy. Purdy's just sort of, 
you know, dink and dunk down the field, get it going, sort of like what Jimmy G has been through the years with you guys. Exactly. Very Jimmy (laughs) G-esque. Yeah. So I I don't see Purdy even overtaking Sudfeld and then somehow overtaking trade lands, like maybe some people might think, um, you know, Purdy will, you know, if he has to come in, I think, you know, he might, you know, if he has to come in for a couple of games, he might do a nice job of just dinking and dunking the ball down the field. You know, the 49ers have a good run game, you know, and I think, you know, if, you know, if they do that formula, which they've done with Jimmy G, it's proven to be successful. And I think they'll, if Purdy has to come into the game, that's what they'll go to. And so, uh, you know, I, I still, Trey Lance is by far the better quarterback and has more of the intangibles that you want to see in your quarterback guy than Purdy. But, you know, I look at Purdy, you know, we, Philly, we have Garner Minshew. You know, Garner Minshew isn't this guy with a strong arm that pushes it down the field. He's a dink and duck guy. And, you know, that can get you a couple wins. You know, you have a strong running game. Have him coming for a few games. But once defenses start, would start catching on and start catching film, I think, you know, you're going to go through a lot of growing pains with Purdy. And I don't know if he'll be able to handle, you know, having to make second and third reads and trying to get the ball out quicker to those second and third reads or reading defenses and having to push the ball, you know, and put the ball, make pre-read snaps and things like that. So, you know, just be wary of, you know, the Brock Purdy hype, I would say, you know, like calm down. Like he'll be, a, he'll be a, probably a good, you know, second or third string backup, but he's not overtaking train lands. For the starting job. Well, I'm glad you were as in tune with the Twitter verse um, as you are, because obviously I'm not so much. But um, I mean, I can I can agree though. Um, I can agree though that Purdy definitely is rough around the edges. He's definitely uh, a little just it's just the inexperience, and he's learning such a complex system. I mean, as strong as he does look, he did have a handful of really really good plays and. Um, and whatnot, but I mean, practice squad. Practice squad is probably where he's going to go, just because Sudfeld is just that that little tiny bit better. Um, but yeah. Sudfeld is clearly not the answer either. Like he's he's really again. I would I would argue he's only better than Purdy just because he's been in the league and he's been with us for a year, and Purdy just got here. But they're not crazy far apart, in my opinion. But yeah, um, I don't. I wouldn't say they're crazy far apart, but. I think the only difference is is that Sudfeld is more willing to push the ball downfield, you know, a little bit more and take shots downfield than Purdy is, you know, and that that is very true. A lot more of the deep shots came from Sudfeld for sure. Yeah, for sure. But in terms of uh, the, re- I mean, unless you had any other notes on them, I kind of wanted to pick on the running backs a little bit because I have a a little bit of a hot take here on the running backs. Oh, do you? Let's hear it. Well, I texted you when I was done with the game yesterday about one particular person, not to be a negative Nancy. I do want to praise this team because we did have some really good runs in this game. But God, Trey Sermon, he he was really hyped when we drafted him last year. And then he was injured the basically the entire year. We never really got to see him. And c- coach is trying to really hype him up during practices. But now two games in a row, Trey Sermon can't get Jack done, dude. This game, he had five carries for eight yards. Brock Purdy scrambled four times for eight yards. 
I noticed it every single time I saw Sermon out on the field, he'd like he'd like do a little stutter step, try to like read the field a little bit to make sure a hole was open. And then when he finally tried to, boom, down every single time. He was not I something about his game, just he I I'm not convinced it was entirely just the defense is reading it because when you look at all these other stats, uh Davis Price. He had some phenomenal runs. Um, I remember one in the red zone um, where he just gutted all the way to like the two yard line. It was a, like a 10 yard gain. Uh, Sermon never had that. Jamichael Hasty, he didn't carry the ball that much, but every time he did, he made the most of it. It was three for 15. And then uh, Mason, I Mason, I mean, we'll see if Mason can make his name and get on the roster pretty deep in the depth chart, but. Um, and it was against third and four stringers, obviously, with a little asterisk. But he carried the ball nine times for 57 yards. And I remember at the end of the game, like, there was nothing really much to play for. We pretty much had it in the bag. And he almost scored. He almost scored again. He did get in the end zone. But there was a there was a penalty that uh, nullified it. And he, uh, two or three of his runs to get to that point at the end zone was why we were even there. Mason, yeah. was, Mason was trying his damnedest to make the roster. He was playing. He was playing like a maniac when he finally got in there. So I was just really concerned and confused. Like, what's what's going on with Sermon? Is he actually still hurt? Like, because we we there's some pretty high expectations for him, and if he's been playing like this already in the preseason, I mean, I he's got to have a hell of a showing against Houston to not be in the doghouse to start the season. Well, you know, and that that shows you how much you know Sermon impressed me because I have no notes on Sermon. I have like. You know, I usually just sort of take notice of the good plays that people are doing. Um, uh, when I uh, saw Sermon's number, I think he was 28. Um, when I saw, and I mean, I remember seeing his nameplate too. So, I mean, apologies if I have the number wrong, but but no, there was a reason Sermon was only out there five times because each time he ran the ball, he gained nothing or like two yards. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I really wasn't taking notice of Sermon because he wasn't you know, really breaking off these runs and stuff like that. You know, I really did. I was impressed with Price this game as I was last game. I thought Price with the with the carries that he had and with the opportunities he had, you know, he sort of, you know, was getting big chunks of yards. Uh, the only thing about Price was at the goal line, he was having trouble, you know, getting through on the goal line. Uh, there was a play uh, where, you know, it was – First or second down, they were at the two-yard line going into uh, the end zone. And he had a choice between going behind his lineman who was getting beat or taking on the defensive back that come, that came to plug the hole. You know, and, you know, I think in that situation, like, you know, he's just got to realize that the better option is to try and run over the cornerback than it is trying to go maybe behind, you know, behind the guy who's getting who's getting manhandled, you know, um, by the defensive tackle. So that was the only thing I could say bad about Price. Otherwise, he looked good again. You know, I thought and that he looked... could just easily be corrected with yeah, uh, just I some mean... extra experience. I, the way you described it, I mean, just Kyle could coach that out of him or Anthony yeah. Lynn could because he's the running back coach. Exactly. All you got to do is tell him if you have this choice, you go out, you try to run over the you know, use your power. To, I mean, because he's he, he is somewhat of a power runner. Like he could easily drop. I mean, I don't know what the guy's name was. Forty-seven, I think. 
for the Vikings, but he just, that guy came up to plug the hole, and I'm just like, you should have just tried to run that guy over, and I think he would have, you know, and so, but like you said, that's coachable. That's like, you put on the game film, and you just sort of say, here in this situation, you know, you got to, you know, you could have taken on the cornerback, and I think that's an easy correction um, for him to make. Um, and so, so yeah, uh, Sermon, obviously, he didn't do enough for me to even write notes on. So, um, and that's my that's my point. We drafted this guy pretty high last year, and yeah, he was injured the whole year. But, but dude, you gotta live, you gotta live up to that name. Like, what what is happening? Like, I. He's gonna he's gonna have a little bit of a Brandon Ayuk situation, and he he doesn't you don't want to be in Kyle's doghouse. That's well, did, it's really hard they, to get out of it. Where did they draft him? Uh, I'm gonna I'm clicking on his name specifically here because um, it'll it'll have it here. Uh, we drafted him uh, pick 88 third round last year, and he's from Ohio State. Well, you know. You say pretty high. Third round. He's, he's not a quarterback, though, so let's not. But usually Ohio State running backs aren't bad. Well, yeah, usually they're not. But the, the same token is, though, I mean, nowadays draft, I mean, it's a lot, almost a liability to the team if you waste a first or second round draft pick on, well, not a second round necessarily. But, you know, if you drafting high on running backs is a liability nowadays most running backs even the good ones go in the third fourth fifth sixth seventh round so yeah i guess you say it's high because he's a running back but still that that's where most people are looking for running backs nowadays is in the third round and so you know third round okay pick. well he's in the third round and he's got the pedigree of ohio state he probably he what you know college better than i do he won at least one national title uh while he was there between what 15 and 18 or 16 to 18 I mean, maybe. I don't know the college football that much. So I don't keep track of who wins the national title because I just – I don't watch college football that much. But you are right about Ohio State running backs. I mean, a lot of – you know, we have – I mean, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, is one of them. But, again, you know, is – you see Ezekiel where he was drafted and really is Dallas getting the production out of him with the money they paid him and all of this. Like, the NFL – Today, you know, donating high resources to a running back is just not the way to go anymore. It just really isn't. And so, you know, third round pick, that's where I expect the running back to go. You know, good ones, bad ones, doesn't matter. So, um, you know, people are finding good running backs in the third and later rounds. And so thirds, okay, you know, I mean, maybe... Maybe it's high for a running back, but really it's not, I don't think, you know. Okay. I mean, when you put it in that perspective, I just I just remember when we drafted him and we had, like, um, there was just these expectations for him. But it was also kind of the fact that we didn't know what we had from Elijah Mitchell, and we drafted him, I think, in, like, the sixth round, like, almost the end of the draft, and then he just— fired out of a cannon a thousand total yards it didn't it didn't even matter that we drafted sermon and that was that was what was so shocking was that sermon is from ohio state and yeah he's injured but this guy elijah mitchell like nobody knew who he was and he just he's just taken the he just took it by the horns and he's our lead back now so there's a little bit of that factor in, into all that too but um but yeah i mean i just 
shout out to Mason and uh, Davis Price, especially Davis Price. I agree with you. Like he definitely, he's definitely uh, making an impression on me as well. Um, we'll see how he'll end up getting uh, any carries if he ends up getting the hot hand here or there. But no, I just if Sermon, if you're hearing this, like, come on, dude, <laughs> just come on, man. What? You can't you can't have another game like that in Houston. Like, I don't think it's dire enough that he's on the roster bubble. Um, but starting out in the doghouse to start the season, I mean, I don't know with how deep the running back room is. It's that's gonna be hard to get out of there. But well, yeah, I think you know. If, I mean, he's a third round pick, man. Third round picks you don't really hold on to as much as like a second or first, you know. And so you know, maybe I mean, with you know, we see Price and we see. You know, um, you know, is it uh, Mason? We Mason, Mason. Mason had a great game. I mean, Hasty did too, but Hasty was uh, like looking at the numbers. Like Hasty was barely out there compared to the other guys, but he he had more yards than carry than Sermon. Exactly. I think you know, with those guys, like you know, um, you're just you got Mitchell. You know, you got uh, Price. You got Hasty. You got. Uh, Mason um, and and Wilson Jr. and Wilson Jr. and Sermon like you know Sermon out of that is probably the fifth guy and who knows if he makes the team are the 49ers going to keep five running backs on their roster and keep What's Sermon the, there the argument is much more in Mason's favor to be the like bottom of this totem pole more than Sermon just after these two games because it's the same notes I had from the last game Sermon didn't do anything uh in our game against Green Bay either yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe you put Sermon on the practice squad or something like that. You know, I think, I think, yeah, what you said, like all these guys that are on the roster have proven that they're better than Sermon. And, you know, it's obvious, like when you watch these guys, you know, break off chunk runs and they're just making the most out of their play and Sermon's just sort of like, meh, you know, it's, you know, He's the third round pick. I could easily see the 49ers moving on from him because he's the third round pick and he's a running back. I mean, you know, with the ability, I mean, of the 49ers to draft running backs, um, you know, I mean, running backs go in later rounds. That's just weird. You can find gems in later rounds. And so, you know. Elijah Mitchell, sixth round. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's, I mean, teams do it all the time today. Like, you know, even you look at, you look at even this year, the best running back in the whole draft went in the second round. You know, he didn't even go in the first round, even though he was, you know, probably a first round talent. He was just that good. Like he, he went in the second round because basically he's a running back, you know, and you know, the assets go towards, you know, all, you know, quarterback. The assets goes to people who rush the quarterback. The the assets go to people who help the quarterback, you know, um, and running backs, you know, who may be able to take a load off a quarterback are protecting the quarterback. They're not catching the ball for the quarterback as much, you know. So that's why assets don't go to running backs anymore. And that's why you, like, like I said, this year, the best running back went in the second round and the assets, you know, running backs take, you know, are going in later rounds. You can find gems in those later rounds, as, as we just said. So I wouldn't be surprised if the 49ers just said, you know, we're going to put you on the practice squad or cut you completely with Sermon. 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, it probably it might be heading that way. Like we we have a very very fast turnaround to Houston, so I mean, it's it's literally do or die. Like not to be that dramatic, but I mean, it really could be do or die for Sermon with just how crowded this room is and how uh, literally everybody looked. <laughs> I mean, Purdy had Purdy had the same yards on one less scramble than him. So, <laughs> <laughs> and Purdy really isn't like this mobile threat, you know? Like that's the thing. Like Purdy isn't. To me, like uh, somebody he took a he took a hit on one of those runs too. I don't know yeah. if you remember. It was like in the I want to say it was in the third quarter, and he tried to juke. Uh, he tried to juke the back, and he didn't bite. But I mean, credit to him, he lowered his shoulder and he tried to give it back. <laughs> he tried to like he went through all that effort for a one yard sack. Like that's that just that just made me laugh. Like he's doing all this stuff and everybody's getting excited and he ends up getting sacked for one yard. You know, like uh, <laughs> Hey, that's some that's some brownie points though. Like seeing your quarterback in preseason throw it down like that, like even though it's the injury risk. I mean, he got he got some street cred uh in the locker room for that, I bet. Well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean but I think, you know, I just thought it was funny that he, he was just doing all this stuff and he had with a one-yard sack. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, but moving on to the the, the, the last skill group, um, the, the, the receivers. Um, and, and, I mean, really, the only thing, uh, Danny Gray getting called out for uh, doing, the, doing the gritty, giddy, or however you pronounce it, uh, on the two-point conversion, that was hilarious. um and then shout out to the tight ends the the tight ends combined for like 11 catches and over 100 yards i shout outs to them they uh except i remember i think it was i think it was dwelly or hudson one of those two had a right in their hands and they dropped in that really bothered me but um no the tight ends uh the tight ends stepped up and they they did really good when they did catch the ball um i just i don't know the wide receivers didn't really get them much to do there was a lot of there was a lot of shallow passes a lot of short passes a lot of well dink and dunking they didn't really get a chance to finesse uh the only times we really tried to go like super super deep were those hail marys when we gave up on the two minute on the uh at the end of the half so i mean and those were danny had no shot at that that was going out of bounds and then turner had no chance on his either so um i mean i don't know i don't i really don't have any notes on the receivers other than uh kudos to the tight end room today yeah, I, you know, I didn't take notes of the receivers. Like you said, the tight ends, um, I think, you know, did the bulk of the work. And, uh, you know, and maybe, you know, maybe that's where the work was supposed to go, you know. Um, it would mimic the playbook to a, to a certain extent because George Kittle's such a presence that, I mean, it's usually, uh, usually a gimme to throw to him just because he manhandles whoever's on him. Yeah, yeah, and... You know, that just may have been something that the offense decided to work on this game where we're going to try to, you know, work on the tight end games and work more with our tight ends between, you know, this, you know, the second and third teams. Um, so um, not surprising that the tight ends did this well. So. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Also, shout out to Willie Sneed. Uh, he was the return guy this game. And um, I mean, he made the most of his catches. It was only three for twenty five. But honestly, I just. I just wanted to shout him out because it was kind of cool to see Willie Snead back out on the field. I, I have no, I, I don't, I'm not going to pretend that he's uh, going to make the final roster. I feel like he's just going to be a camp body just because our wide receiver depth is pretty good. But 
Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, I'll, uh, did you have any notes on the uh, offensive line uh, before we go over to the defense? I, you know, um, I think for the most part, the line wasn't so bad. Um, again, this this game, there was maybe like one or two times where, um, you know, once again, uh, you know, Poe um, may have gotten beat or something like that. But I think it's all correctable, you know, with Poe. Um, I think for the most part, he he pretty you know the line did a pretty decent job of you know run run blocking and pass protection um, for the most part. Um, you know, I just you know it it, it was just it, the first half. It seemed like the offense really couldn't get anything going, and but then the second half, you know, the offense started moving the ball a little bit better. Um, and even like, you know, um, you know, like the, the fumble at the goal line, like, you know, I, we talked about this off air, but I think what it was, was Purdy wasn't changing the snap count, um, because the defensive lineman just got such a good jump on the ball. Like you could tell, like, like if he wasn't off sides, he was going on the actual, snap count like going as i mean he's going when he hears the you know the you know and so i think that was more on brock purdy than the offensive line because um it was obvious that he got such a good jump that he had to been going on some sort of snap what he was hearing in that so i don't think that was necessarily the offensive line's fault um, for something like that. I don't think it was the center's fault for delivering the ball, um, you know, mishandling the ball. The The defensive lineman just got a really good jump on the ball. And, you know, like I said, I think that ultimately came down to the fact that Purdy wasn't changing the snap count at that moment, you know. Right. I, I thought I wrote down who the I, – I thought I wrote down who the center was on that play, but I didn't. Um, but, no, I took note of that, too. That was just – that was just a hot potato situation. And I just – Hopefully it was just as correctable as uh, figuring out the timing. Hopefully it was because yeah, that was God, that was bad. I I felt bad for him on that play really, just because you could tell that like just literally from the snap. And then uh, seventy six on the Vikings, that monster just took advantage of it, bull rushed it. But um, the only I was looking through my notes, the only one offensive play that um, I guess I did call out uh, in terms of alignment. Uh, I, I pulled up his number, Aaron Banks. Aaron Banks got, he got beat really bad on one of um, Purdy sacks. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't write as fully elaborate a, a note on it. I just wrote like, ooh, 65 got beat so bad on the inside. And, and I could see the play in my head, like, basically, like, as he, like, stood up the block, the guy, like, went inside on, like, what would have been his right, and he just he just whiffed on it. He just let him go right past him and he just smothered Purdy. Like it was, which was surprising. It was banks of all people, but I mean, linemen have bad plays every now and then they're not, unless you're Trent Williams or, uh, uh, Bakhtiari, you're not impenetrable. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, how many snap, how many snapped are, you know, they're a game eventually, you know, having a whole offensive line, not give up any pressure or any sacks, 
during a whole entire game is a lot to ask from an offensive line, especially when, you know, defenses do things like switch guys around, you know, they might put a defensive end or at the defensive tackle spot and just, you got a more athletic guy on somebody who's more a stone and, you know, they just make a play. And, you know, we see that with Aaron Donald, we see that with Brandon Graham, like when they're not getting pressure from the edge because they're focusing on them on the edge, you know, they'll throw the guy on, you know, in on the inside against the guard and a guard who maybe isn't great as great at blocking. So, I mean, it's going to happen. I mean, offenses are smart. Defenses are smart. And right. So- and I'm not trying to rag. I'm not trying to like really rag everybody. Honestly, the offensive line, I thought did pretty good for the most part. Um, just like you said, it's just a handful of plays here and there that, um, there was one, there was one play, um, I can't remember if it was Purdy or Sudfeld, but I remember, um, I think it was Sudfeld and I, (laughs) it was this really nice pass, um, early in the game. I think it was in the first quarter, like he was drifting to his left. I think it was Sudfeld and, uh, whoever was playing a right guard, he was like bit back. He was like hanging on to the he was hanging on to the viking for dear life like i really thought he was gonna like fall over and get pancake but um we got the pass off and we got the first down on that pass i just uh i wish i had it right in front of me but uh I, but hey sometimes sometimes stuff like that happens and it was uh lucked out on that one but uh but yeah uh with all that said about the offense, uh, before we go to defense, uh, James, uh, how about we uh, do a little bit of an ad read? All right, guys. If you're in the Melbourne, Florida area, reach out to Ali Catino at Madison Allied Real Estate, 321-698-4692. When I was shopping for a home in the Rockledge, Florida area, I told Ali how much I wanted to pay for a house, and she respected my price range and did not try to persuade me to go above my budget. She's a great realtor that will get you to a house you love at a price you can afford. That's Ali Catino at Madison Outlight Real Estate, 321-698-4692, 321-698-4692. All right, Dan. Yes, on to the defensive side. Our defense faced uh, Kellen Mond and Sean Mannion. Kellen Mond is a very young quarterback. Mannion's a very old quarterback, and... Uh, I guess we should start out with, um, we had Drake Jackson and, um, uh, Javon Kinlaw, uh, Jackson is presumed to eventually be a starter at some point this season, if not a fairly used, uh, rotational guy. And then Kinlaw is supposed to be a starter. He is supposed to be inside with Ark Armstead, uh, the two and the, in the two center of the four, I spacing on technical terms, <laughs> but uh, he's supposed to be an interior defensive lineman with Ark Armstead this season, and um, man, not gonna not gonna lie, I was so impressed with our uh, with our pass rush uh, during this game. I really was. I mean, we we got the one sack from Kinlaw, and the rest of the time, really, if I have any notes, it was just finishing it. Like we can get to them, but getting the quarterback to the ground. I, I I was I was a little surprised we didn't have more actual sacks in the game. Like looking at it, there was the one sack. Literally, that was it. But I did see a lot of great signs of these backup linemen. Aside from Kenlaw and Jackson, they they were getting pressure. They were throwing Mond and Mannion off the entire game. Like they were throwing Aaron passes left and right. Like 
yeah, they got a couple of decent passes here and there, but Mond was 10 for 20 and Mannion was 10 for 15 and Mond had two picks. It was our pass rush looked amazing in this game. I thought like really like for a bunch of backups, like except for the fact that we didn't get more actual sacks. I mean, I can at least be happy that uh, the completion percentage for the quarterbacks was pretty terrible and we forced them to throw two picks. And, well, and grand total, it was 136 yards between the two quarterbacks, too. So we really threw them off their game in uh, in that regard. Yeah, the defense played well. The defensive line was pretty good, I, I would think. You know, um, you know, I think, you know, it was two things, too. I think it was not only the defensive line, you know, playing well, but that sack that you talk about, Kinlaw, that took some time to happen. And so you think, like, that was more of a coverage sack. You know, um, the coverage um, on that pass play was good enough to basically allow Kinlaw time to actually get to the quarterback. Um, and so, you know, and then you had Drake Jackson with a with a pass deflection. You know, uh, he, he made yeah, a good— Yeah, that, that too. Thank you for mentioning that. Like, he, he showed that— you know, he can be a very athletic defensive end and, you know, just time the ball right and knock the pass down. And, you know, and the 49ers were doing a lot of that. I think there was even another time where, you know, there was a tip pass uh, from the defensive line, but it just got into the running back's hands. But again, like you said, the, you know, there was a lot of pressure on the quarterback, um, you know, and I think, you know, the defensive line, did a really good job of getting pressure on the quarterback. And that's, you know, really, really, that's how a lot of guys are measured nowadays. You know, it's not even, you know, getting the sacks, like, you know, who's getting pressure, you know, if you're getting pressure on a quarterback, you know, and you're getting past your guy, uh, that's what teams are really looking at nowadays is if you can get pressure, you know, and just make the quarterback uncomfortable. Uh, because, you know, the majority of the quarterbacks in the league aren't Patrick Mahomes, they're not Josh Allen, they're not Lamar Jacksons, they're, you know, and so you basically, you know, you're just, you know, if you can get a guy, you know, who's not very mobile and get pressure in his face, um, you know, you're probably, you're probably going to win a lot of games and be successful on defense just by getting pressure, not even just you know sacking the quarterback sacking is great but you know as we know like you know 20 sacks in the season which is just one a little you know over one a game by a person is a great feat you know so you know sacks are more hard to come by and it's it's about just getting pressure now that's how they're measuring these guys and um and so um getting pressure on guys is you know, that's what's important. It's not necessarily getting the sack or finishing the play. Um, it's just being able to put a hand in the guy's face or make him uncomfortable in the pocket to throw an incomplete pass. I mean, while it's not a sack, it's a stop play. And, you know, you could argue just as good as a sack. So, Dude, it, it, it just got me really excited to imagine um, you got Bosa and Kinlaw on the left. Armstead on the right, along with, honestly, it doesn't matter who at that rate. When you got those three, if Kinlaw can stay healthy, if everybody can stay healthy. Um, I saw Armstead was dealing with something, but he should be fine for week one. And 
Bosa had a sock on his leg, and I'm not reading really reading into that. I'm sure he's fine too. But if those three alone are drawing so much attention, then I don't know Acubom or Jackson. If Jackson does supplant him to be, we could have a we could have a very 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 scary defensive front. Like you got you got so much pressure coming off of just worrying about Armstead and Kinlaw bull rushing up in the middle. You got to worry about double teaming Bosa. Like, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't feel like it's hyperbole to say that. Like, if all four of those guys are the guys and they can stay healthy, like we will have a top five pass rush again. Yeah, I think, I think you know, I think it's a good defensive line. I think they're playing well here um, in the preseason, um, and so, yeah, that. I mean. That's one of the things that you got to devote assets to. Like we talked about, you know, devoting assets to, you know, why teams don't devote assets to running backs. Well, you know, you got to devote access to assets to the defensive line because basically, you know, everything's evolved around getting pressure. And so, you know, and the 49ers, you know, we saw with their top pick this year, their very first pick, they picked an edge rusher. Um, you know, basically a guy who had successes freshman year uh, at USC, uh, you know, and sort of tapered off, you know, when he when they when USC made him lose weight um, and try to be a more slimmer pass rusher. Well, the 49ers said, you know, we like what you did in your freshman year. Uh, we're going to have you put on weight. And that's the you know, we want you to be this, you know, menace. Um putting pressure on the quarterback and, you know, Drake Jackson has done, you know, a pretty decent job, I think of, you know, um, with, you know, with what he's doing out there. So hopefully, hopefully this isn't, you know, this is, will be an ascension, you know, up to something and it won't just be like, this is where he tops out at. Hopefully he can make an ascension into, you know, uh, you know, potentially to be, you know, maybe, a starter, um, I believe. I believe, if I remember correctly, his scouting report said, you know, you know, rotational player uh, on a defensive line. So, you know, yeah, I mean, if he can just be a good rotational piece, you know, and that's what you're expecting of him. But maybe, you know, if he's if he's good right now, hopefully, maybe he can ascend into something even greater. So, I mean, there's great potential there. No, a hundred percent. Like, even if he is, even if he's showing these flashes already, I mean, and if he rotates, uh, if they just rotate that right side around, I, I, I'm sure the, a lot of the coaches are as confident as I am that with the attention that's going to be in the middle and on the left side because of Bosa and Armstead alone, like, we'll see. I, I hope Kinlaw can stay healthy. So then that's just that much more. You could get some sneaky sacks in uh, from that side or really just some unexpected pressure. And maybe Jackson could be that piece. And then, my God, we don't have to worry about paying him for three years. <laughs> like, <laughs> we got we got Bosa to worry about. We got Armstead locked in. And then uh, Kinlaw, we still got two years to worry about him because he was a first round pick, too. But like we could get we could get two, maybe three max of these four guys if they all play out uh, the way they're supposed to. But um but I wanted to um, give one shout out next to the uh, the the linebacking core, um, and you could combo this with the defensive line as well. This is what the team 
the total rushing from Minnesota was there was one, two, three, four, five rushers that rushed 14 times for 59 yards. And that one touchdown we gave up in their little two minute drill. That's that's it. We had 129 rushing yards, no touchdown, but we held Minnesota's entire team to 59 rushing yards. Credit that to the linebackers as much as the, as the defensive line. Our backup linebackers did a great job. Yeah, I mean, the defense the defense really looked well overall in this game. Um, you know, I think, like we said, they put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Uh, Minnesota really couldn't do much on offense until they went to the uh, two-minute drill. Um, and so the defense just looked really, really well. I mean, these are, you know, these are second and third stringers, but, um, you know, we're just analyzing what we saw in the preseason game. And, you know, you, you know, with these second and third stringers, there's, you know, some promise and, you know, we got a good scheme. D'Amico Ryan's, you know, had these guys ready to play in a preseason game against the Minnesota Vikings who, you know, passing the ball, rushing the ball really couldn't do much the whole day. And, so I think that bodes well to the players. I believe that bodes well to the coaching staff um, because, the, you know, they only gave up one touchdown. Um, and Minnesota really couldn't do much on offense. I mean, you know, Minnesota, uh, I mean, the best part of their day, I think, you know, was, you know, number 66, the punter, you know, like we're, you know, that was, I seen, love that number for him, by the way. I really I, hope he keeps it. I know. I don't think they're going to let him because I think there's rules. You that's, know. A, that's a big guy, too. That's a big punter. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, you know, I think, like, that was the guy I was most impressed with with Minnesota was the damn punter because, you know, uh, you know, other than that, really, Minnesota had nothing to look at positive, I think, offensively. Uh, from the game, uh, maybe defensively they had a lot of potential, but offensively, uh, the 49ers just really manhandled them, and uh, you know the defense just overall did a really excellent job of you know not giving Minnesota anything, and so um, that goes to not only the players, but like I said, the coaching staff, D'Amico Ryan's just having them ready to play, and so I, I think the defense did great. So. Absolutely. There was only one play. I'm not going to harp on it too long because it was in the fourth quarter, but we almost gave up uh, an equivalent of a home run. Um, and sorry if you hear that buzzsaw. They are working on my neighbor's house, and there's nothing I can do about that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the uh, the one play I want to talk about late in the fourth quarter, but I remember, I think it was Mannion, uh, had this pass. It was number 40. Yeah, the tight end. I, I did write down that play that the 49ers got lucky on that play. Dude. That should have been he, a big chunk. If he didn't drop that pass, he literally had the safety split. He would have been in the red zone, if not the end zone. Like, we we lucked out that he dropped that pass because that was going to go. I, I thought it was going to go to the house with how much space he had in between the safeties. Like we oh, did yeah. not cover him whatsoever. And the ball hit him on stri in stride. Like it just in the hands, in the hands, in stride. And you're like, you're supposed to be a tight end. You're supposed to be able to catch these things. You know, I, I, you know, he nobody within three yards of him either. He was so open. Yeah. I, 
if they keep him, if the Minnesota Vikings keep that guy on the team, he's just going to be a blocking tight end because I think they threw to him another time and he dropped the ball right in his hands and everything like that. He was wide open again. So a couple of times, yeah, I'll admit the 49ers sort of got lucky that the Vikings third or fourth tight end can't catch a pass. Um you know, because not as many drops as we had, but yeah, they had a they had a couple really bad drops. That one was the worst one. Yeah, I mean that was easy. Like you said, that was easily like I mean it was going to be at least a 30, 40 yard play, and if not a touchdown, go into the red zone. So, yeah, yeah, not to harp too long on that. Honestly, I I I I said I took good notes, but I <laughs> I would <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to be a negative Nancy though. I'm kind of glad I didn't. I'm not calling those two specific people out, but, um, but really, no, I don't really have that much else to say about the defense. They, they these backups honestly look pretty, pretty good. Um, I was a little worried about, um, our Florida pick from this year, uh, the rookie, he's got, uh, the two last names, uh, Castro fields. I was a little worried about him. He was getting picked on there, uh, in the latter half of the game a little bit, but I mean, he's a young guy. We're not expecting him to start. It's supposed to be Ward and Mosley and thank God Mosley's back. Um, he was he was apparently having a really good practice today. Um, got an interception off of Lance, but um, I wanted to end this with uh, guess who Minnesota just traded for today? Did you happen to see while you were perusing on Twitter? Surely you did. They traded. Uh, no, I did, I saw it, but now I forget who it was. It's our boy who torched the Raiders on primetime spotlight football. I think it was Monday Night Football. Nick Mullins, I think he had a minute there on the Eagles, too. Uh, but Nick Mullins is now in competition with Mond and Mannion to be the backup for Kirk Cousins. And well, sure, surely it's because of the way that they played. But yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, the Minnesota backups. I'm not surprised. Yeah, you're right. I'm not surprised that, you know, they would make a play for Nick Mullins. Somebody, you know, I think Nick Mullins is definitely, is definitely better than those two backups. So, you know. I am low key. I, I was low key sad that we didn't tender him uh, last year. Uh, we let him walk. I was kind of sad. I, f- I mean, yeah, he definitely never lived up to the the. He never lived up to what he played at um, on that Monday night game. He definitely was very up and down. So like, I get it from a business standpoint. He never really played that good again. But I I don't know. I I part of me part of me thinks if we worked with him a little longer, maybe we could have. But I, I don't get to make the business decisions. And hopefully he'll be a really good backup for uh, Kirk Cousins. So, um, yeah, just us being a Niners podcast, mad love to, to Nick Mullins. Hopefully you do better than Mondon Mannion did uh, in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> um, so moving on real quick, uh, special teams. Not really too much to talk about other than um, we did pin back a really, really good punt from Wisnowski at the one. So that was an amazing play. But uh, also, uh, we got to talk about that forced fumble, man. Uh, Malik Turner forced it out. Womack, right there. Great situa- situational awareness. That, right. that was probably the play of the game. Yeah, that was that was really good. That was a really good play. Um, you know, Turner just, I mean, and that's that's what I've been, like, if you remember our notes from uh, last episode, we talked about Lenore. And how when he was running somebody down from the back, he tried to strip the ball. And basically, we looked at him like he's going to be on special teams again. And right again, you see another player who's going to be on special teams 
trying to strip the ball as he tackles the runner. And this, I mean, guys, that's that's really great coaching. And that's really what players should do and coaches should be teaching their players. And now this is the second special teams guy that we saw that is going to that did the very same thing. As he tried to tackle the guy, he made a play for the ball and actually forced a fumble that, you know, gets recovered. And so that's something that, you know, I don't know what I saw. I mean, I didn't watch every 49ers game last year, but that's just something that's going to improve the special teams play in this group. And, you know, seeing that now, uh, you know, twice in two games in two weeks with two special teams players just, you know, making a play on the ball as they're tackling the runner. I mean, the special teams is, you know, is going to make a big improvement from last year, it looks like. so. Our, def- our defensive special teams, like the um, kicking the ball and punting the ball away, I think our coverage, again, it's sample size, whatever, however you want to read into it with preseason, but I... I see some very promising signs that our coverage is going to be much better on the defensive side. Um, we didn't really get to move the ball much. Willie didn't really get to do much with the ball. Um, I think he took it out once, and then the other time he tried to, he was, like, down right there. Um, but so we didn't really get to see much in terms of, like, the offensive special teams. But, no, in terms of coverage, our defensive special teams is going to be much, much, much better, I think. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think we're going to see uh... – turnovers on special teams I, I think i wouldn't be surprised you know if we start seeing you know you know uh, a lot of balls being punched out being knocked out by the special teams because like i said this is the second week in a row that i noticed a special teams player trying to punch the ball out as he tackled so you know i think we're going to we're going to see like if this continues the trend and this is what they're doing um, I think we're going to, our special teams, at least defensively, like you said, is going to be much, much better. And they're actually going to create some turnovers, um, you know, in games. And we all know that a turnover in special teams can really change the outlook of a game. and could be a play that actually, you know, helps you win a game, uh, you know, just getting that extra possession. And so, and, you know, being better, and doing those things on special teams will help you win games. And just seeing that twice in two weeks of a special teams player going down, trying to strip the ball as they tackle. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised that the special teams uh, this year led in special teams turnovers. You know, I really wouldn't be surprised because it seems like that's what they're trying to teach these guys to go after the ball as they tackle. Right. And then on the offensive side, the potential of Ray Ray is still just as good as he was last year. And then we're going to have, um, oh my God, we're going to have such a, I, I don't know. I just, I'm trying to imagine uh, Tufanga is going to be back out there. Juszczyk is going to be out there. I think Mosley was out there a lot on special teams too. Like there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talent uh, that could be out there for special teams. Um, but um, but anyway, any final thoughts uh, before we uh, start doing these uh, last of bits here of the show? I I don't really have anything other than overall, yeah, there's, there wasn't any real spectacle to this game, but there was definitely a lot of positives as much as I wanted to gripe about the fundamentals. We really, 
we got to get a lot of these fundamental things done, but that's what training camp is for is to get these, stop the stupid, uh, the stupid mental penalties, get rid of all these mental mistakes. That was what bothered me more than anything besides Trey Sermon in this game. And, uh, you know what? I'm excited. I, I will very likely be home, uh, watching the Texans game. So, uh, super excited. It's going to be on Amazon prime on Thursday. So, uh, you can live that way. Great. All right, cool. I don't think, um, I don't think I'm doing anything this Thursday, so I can probably watch it live, you know, depending. Um, but I will say the final thoughts, too, that we didn't talk about about the offense was the offense did a really good time, really good job of controlling the ball, controlling the clock. You know, if you look at if you look at just the third quarter, there were three possessions in the third quarter And I believe the 49ers had the ball for 11 minutes just in the third quarter. Um, So the 49ers offense, we didn't get to talk about it, but, you know, did a really good, really good job of controlling the clock, controlling the flow of the game um, and, you know, winning time of possession in this game. Um, And I think that's definitely important um, in the NFL. you know, if you can control time of possession, uh, that's a really good indicator that you're going to win the game as long as you don't commit turnovers or anything like that. Take good care of the ball. Um, if you're controlling the clock methodically and just driving down the field, running time off the clock and moving the ball, um, you're going to win a lot of games. And so I think the 49ers did a really good job of that, too. Oh, 100%. I was trying to find it. I don't see it right here on ESPN's box score, which is kind of surprising. But no, I do remember seeing um, I do remember seeing somewhere that we had the ball for easily like around the 30 minute mark. I think it was a little more than 30 minutes. We you're right. We absolutely obliterated time of possession. So, yes, thank you for noting that. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was the last thing that I had. Um, So I'm guessing everybody wants to hear Jimmy B's long shots for this week. Yes, sir. What do you have from Bavada to tell us about? So, uh, Bavada has some new odds on uh, number one seeds. Uh, who's going to be the number one seed in the NFC, and who's going to be the number one seed in the AFC? And so, you know, I mean, we're in the NFC. Um, the Niners are plus nine hundred to be the number one seed. Um, in the NFC. Um, That's not horrible odds. Not horrible odds. Very doable if, you know, I mean, we did a schedule show and we said, you know, you and I both said 11 and 6 with Trey Lance just going off, you know, if they don't upset anybody, if they don't get upset. But let's just say they win some games that we thought they weren't going to win. You're going from 11 and 6 to maybe 13 and four, 14 and three, you know, and that could easily get the number one seed in the NFC and the Niners are plus 900. And honestly, having a second year quarterback lead a team to a number one seed in the NFC really isn't that crazy. Lamar Jackson did it in his second year. Uh, Patrick Mahomes did it, I believe in his second year. Uh, Carson Wentz even did it. You know, he basically helped. I mean, he didn't get all the way, but he his play. He did a he did a majority of that leg work. He no did a majority intended. of the work. So a second year quarterback behind a good defense and just being able to play well uh, can get you a number one seed, and that's really not a rare occurrence. And 
plus 900 is really not that much of a long shot odds. It's a nice payout if they do. But uh, Niners plus 900 to be the NFC's number one seed is a good one. And then the AFC number one seed, I mean, Chiefs at plus 650, you know, so that's above plus 500. Chiefs at plus 650, Broncos at plus 750, and Chargers at plus 950 are all things that could easily go. Um, that's a lot of faith in the Broncos. Like, for I guess they added Russell Wilson, but, like, Jesus, do they think Russell Wilson well, is Jesus? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, Buffalo is the favorite, I believe, and they're they're an extreme favorite. Like, if I remember looking, oh, as they should as they should be, they didn't really have any roster turnover. Yeah, so Buffalo's the favorite, um, you know. But I mean, the AFC West, you know, is one of those divisions that's really really good, and you know. If you look at the AFC West, they're probably the best division, you know, if not just in the AFC, but the best division in football, you know? Oh, yeah. Thanks to the Seahawks. Uh, thanks to the Seahawks tanking and Cliff Kingsbury being Cliff Kingsbury. No, we are not the best overall division in the league right now. So, you know, you got the AFC West. And I mean, I think you're getting good odds on all three of those teams in the AFC West and even the Raiders have odds. I mean, it's not good odds and I wouldn't bet on it because it's plus 3000 to win, you know, the, the number one seed in the AFC, but Holy crap. That is not where I thought the Ravens would be. Not the Ravens, the Raiders, I should say. I should oh, say the Raiders. The Raiders. Oh, okay. The Raiders. <laughs> they're, yeah. They're both ours. I get it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and so, yeah. So I think, you know, there's a good chance that the number one seed, the chiefs have done it before, you know, I mean, you know, Russell Wilson has led a team to a number one seed, I believe, before. Uh, you know, and you got you got the Chargers, who are an up-and-coming team and, you know, have a pretty decent quarterback. You know, hopefully the, you know, the coach doesn't screw it up. But, you know, if they, if, you know, that's probably why they're plus 950. But. If the... Just remember, just now that you'll be paying attention to them a little more since we're playing the AFC West, if anybody's going to figure out a way to lose, it's going to be the Chargers. It doesn't matter if it was Phillip Rivers. It doesn't matter that it's Justin Herbert. If anybody's going to find a way to lose a game that's so winnable, that's not Atlanta, it's the Chargers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but a lot of people are high on them. A lot of people are high on them this year. Um, on paper, they should be AFC contenders. On paper, yeah, yeah. But, with the with the moves they made with uh, Khalil Mack and uh, uh, J.C. Jackson, I mean, and they just signed Derwin James to an extension. Like, dude, on paper, they should be AFC contenders. Yeah, yeah, they should be AFC contenders. And they're plus 950 to win the number one seed, you know, to get the number one seed. And honestly, you know, just, you know, remember, winning – the number one seed and winning the AFC are two different things. So getting the number one seed may not be, you know, you know, a, maybe not be unfeasible if that's even a word for the Chargers to get. Um, so I think, um, I think that's, you know, taking one of those three teams um, out of the AFC West to maybe win the number one seed. That could happen. Those could easily happen, I think. And they're, you know, getting the Chiefs at plus six fifty, a ten dollar bet gets you sixty five bucks. I mean, you could spread the bets out over two if you want to. You know, if you think 
that somebody in the AFC West is going to come out with the number one seed. And so, um, yeah, I mean, that's the best division. Wouldn't be surprised if they come. One of those teams ends up with the number one seed. I mean, it's it's very if it's not Buffalo, it's going to be one of them, really. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I don't know who. Like, it could be Kansas City if they don't stumble without Tyreek. It could be Chargers finally figuring it all out. It could be Denver and Russell Wilson was really the missing piece, or the Raiders could finally get it all together. Like, I, if it's not Buffalo, it is going to be one of them. I just don't know who. <laughs> yeah, and you know, while we're on the Raiders, did you hear that little tidbit that Dana White said at the UFC match this this week? Is I don't I I know the name Dana White, but is he like is he just kind of blowing smoke, or is there any kind of credibility to what he was saying about almost pulling off the Gronk the Gronk and Brady trade? Well, just remember that Tom Brady said, you know, he a team was interested but decided to pass on him, and he said you're going to go with that earmuffs one two three earmuffs. If you have children listening, please put your put their hands on. Uh, on their ears, one, two, three, earmuffs. Tom Brady said, "You're gonna go with that motherfucker," you know. Um, that we've that we've still yet to confirm, and it's now been like two years since that. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, you know, we can all agree that Tom Brady is probably, you know, is definitely a better quarterback than Derek Carr. And I, I in no way dislike Derek Carr, but yes, Tom Brady is better. <laughs> Yes, and so Tom Brady could very easily say that about Derek Carr. Like, it's 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 not something like you know, you know, Derek Carr hasn't. I don't even believe has won a playoff game. So you know, and so so yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. It's it's easy to think that that could have happened, and that was going on, you know. And you know, it's it's surprising that John Gruden, you know. That wouldn't that would have blew up the deal and you know didn't want Tom Brady like you know I don't I don't know what John Gruden was thinking but you know I, I he was probably thinking some very inappropriate things like he was <laughs> writing in his emails uh, <laughs> but, but no yeah. that's that's I mean who knows I mean we just found out about the Miami tampering thing so I um I dude I I have no idea I <laughs> I do want to um. I do want to hijack this a little bit because um, usually like I have something in the news too, but I don't, what I'm going to do with the roster cuts, I've decided uh, I will uh, look at the final roster, the final 53 men roster, see who made the practice squad, call them out. And then I will sift through the players that didn't make it. Um, we've had, we're already down to 80 players because uh, today was the deadline for 80. And then obviously after the Texans game, we got to go down to, uh, or I don't know what the timelines are, but obviously we're going very close to being down to 53 players. I'll look through and uh, call out the people that make the practice squad, call out the guys that didn't, that I'm that stood out to me. If there are any, uh, we'll address that when we get there. Um, I'm not going to just, um, I'll save it all for the end once we finally know who made the roster. But uh, what I do want to, though, uh, is give you all an update because I know a few of you are very eager to figure out what song we are going to sing when we find out where Trent Williams is on the NFL top 100 player list. We had a massive dump of uh, 51 to 100 just out of the blue last week. And um, the NFL has been a little bit more reserved since uh, because we have all the way up to uh, 21 now. So player 50 through 21. 
in the 49ers, I don't know if we lead the lead the league right now. I didn't verify that. Um, I'll verify where we end up once all 100 are out there. But right now we have five players on the list. Uh, we had Juszczyk uh, at 100, Jimmy Ward, I think, at 97. And then we added three more players in this last drop. Fred Warner did drop a little bit from where he was last year, but who cares? It's the equivalent of power rankings. He went down to 47, but that still put him in the top 50. And then at 25... And 22, it was Nick Bosa and George Kittle, respectively. Uh, that means uh, I've accepted Arik Armstead's not going to be on the list. So I think we're going to end up with seven players because obviously Debo and Trent are going to be in the top 20. It's just going to be a matter of where. And I'm still holding on to my hot take. I think Trent Williams, not obviously, I'm not, not number one. My hot take's not that hot, but. I think he will be squarely at number five. Debo, I don't know. Maybe Debo gets in at 10. I, I think he deserves to be top 10 personally, but obviously biased. But I'm very, very happy that Debo's at least in the top 20 and Trent Williams is going to be in the, let's be, uh, he's going to be in the top 10. I think he's going to be at five. I will stand firmly by that, but we will find out in two days on the 25th. Um, did you have the 20, any? I thought the 28th they were released, or we'll, we'll find out. If oh, he's in the top 10 on the 25th, but we'll find out if he is in the top 10, we'll find out on the 28th where, where in the top 10 he'll be, right? Oh, no, Sunday the 28th. I'm sorry. I was mis- I, our game is on the 25th, but yes, on the 28th, uh, Sunday the 28th, during those preseason games, uh, we will be finding out uh, the rest of the top 20. So uh, it, it, that that is for sure. It's going to be all of them on uh, this coming Sunday from when we're taping. Uh, but yeah. We'll find out then, and we'll tell you when we tape um, that subsequent episode uh, just a couple days after, because we'll be recapping the Texans game, and uh, we will close out the show with who, uh, or not who, which song we're going to be singing, either Fly Eagles Fly or uh, Miami Fight Song. I don't remember what the actual name of it is, but it will either be the Miami Fight Song or the Eagles Fight Song. But uh, do you have any uh, you have any thoughts on uh, where Nick, Fred, or George ended up on the list? Well... I'm not surprised Nick and uh, George are as high as where they're going to be. You know, George is easily top two tight end in the league. So, um, you know, Kelsey is probably going to be the number one tight end in the league on on this list. Um, You think both of them or no, uh, was Mark Andrews? No, I'm not. It'll take too long to figure out the list. I think Mark Andrews came uh, was was somewhere I think Kittle was ahead of Mark Andrews. Uh, okay. I, I would put him above him too. I mean like no disrespect to what Mark Andrews did last year, but uh, no, I'd I'd say a healthy Kittle is better than a healthy Andrews. Yeah, and I think Travis Kelsey is going to be the only tight end ahead of him. I don't think I mean there I think we've gone that, through and that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense, you know. So I mean you know the top five you know, it wouldn't be surprising if Trent Williams got into the top five. I'm not saying that. I just think the likelihood of him entering the top five for an offensive lineman. Um, I think, you know, you have Aaron Donald, who's just a beast, you know, and you could argue, you know, after, you know, what we got, we got Brady, Mahomes, Rogers, Allen, who, you know, are quarterbacks, you know, who are easily top four players in the league and then who's going to be that fifth well 
you know, I know he's a Ram and he's not a 49ers, but Aaron Donald is a force to be reckoned with at a defensive tackle position. And I think Aaron Donald was number one last year. So, yeah, exactly. So, like, if he if he's in the top five, you know, are you going to put Trent ahead of Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, um, or Tom Brady, you know? And I don't know if you do that. You know? Tom, I could definitely see being behind him just from ageism. I, I could see Tom Brady falling behind him. And then I honestly, just because it's the Bills – uh, and I think he was rated lower uh, than Mahomes and a couple other people. And Ma- like Madden didn't give him, uh, they didn't give many people a great rating, but they didn't give Josh Allen that great a rating. Like I could see, I could see the list pissing off some some Bills fans and having him like at six and Trent at five. I mean, I'm I'm not I I could see that happening. I'm not wishing that to happen necessarily because I think Josh deserves a crap load of respect after how he played last year. But I could. I could see Brady and I could see Brady and uh, Josh game pushed out of the top five, and then the five being like Williams, Mahomes, uh, Rogers, uh, Donald, and um, oh, uh, I'm already spacing on who the fifth would be, but I could I could see them being pushed out. Uh, but I we'll see. I mean, I'm still holding strong. I'm still bet. I'm still betting. He's going to be on that five. I'm not, <laughs> I think the, I think because a majority of this is player vote, I think the players are going to push him into the five. I mean, that could be true. I mean, this is player vote. So, you know, and I believe they, they rank the top 25 players, you know, and it's not just, you know, one through five or whatever. So, I mean, I'm not saying Trent couldn't be there and that he doesn't really deserve to be there, but I'm playing the odds. That's, that's just it. I'm a bet man, and I like I, playing the I, odds. I feel you. I get it. I we'll find <laughs> we'll find out though on this Sunday, and then we'll tape literally the day after. So. We'll tape the day after. I'm gonna have to see. I'm gonna have to see if I can't get Trevor, you know, our Miami Dolphins loyal listener, on the show on Monday. Uh, for this, if somehow Trent Williams ends up in the in the top five to get him, so he can help me with the words because I I, I mean, I, you know, I found a I, video I found a video with caption like it's a video designed with the text in it, so you can read along while while singing. I'll, I'll have <laughs> to do that with Fly Eagles Fly. So I mean, we're kind of in the same boat. <laughs> yeah, I know this is gonna be funny, um, but I mean, at least I'll be able to help you with Fly Eagles Fly, and you know. Um, sing that song, but we'll see how out of, we'll see how out of sync we are with with uh with Skype too. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how many yeah. Mi- how many milliseconds? But oh my god, I'm so I'm so excited for that. I'm excited for the game on Thursday. I'm excited to see the rest of this list uh come out uh and then finally see if we do have the most in the league or not. But even though I see the, I bet the Rams will be up there with us, and for some reason Dallas because Dallas always. Dallas always has so much talent, then it never pays off. But um, no, we'll all find that out on Sunday. And then next week, we'll talk about the Texans and uh, we'll give our final thoughts on the preseason. And uh, we'll remind you all again, we'll take a bye week off just like everyone else's before we get into actual football. Oh, my God. So excited. Real games coming soon. (laughs) Three weeks away from real games. So or two weeks to or we're we're. We're just under three, but a little over two weeks away from real games. Oh, so excited. But 
we'll remind you all that we'll remind you of all of our schedule next week as well because uh, again we are going to take that bye week off like everybody else is uh, after we recap the Texans game so uh with that because I just noticed what time we're at James <laughs> uh let everybody know where they can reach out to us on social and all that okay guys so uh, first of all, if you want our gear, uh, we got a request for our gear through our DM. So I'm going to start out with that. Uh, if you want our gear, uh, you basically the easiest that I found to do this instead of giving you uh, the link on here. Um, basically, the easiest thing to do is just Google Niner Nuts Apparel on Google and then just go look for the bonfire uh, link. It's easy to find you can just go right on there currently all the proceeds from our t-shirt sales uh go to human trafficking recovery centers in the dc area um so you can buy our vote dan out shirt uh you can buy um our niner nuts uh podcast logo or sort of a black lettered logo uh as well on a t-shirt um so and like i said it goes to a good cause right now so just Go ahead. That's where you can find our merchandise. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's just simply at Niner Nuts on Twitter. Um, if you're not with following us on Twitter or anything like that. Uh, if you want to write to us, tell us how you like the show. Say you gave us a five-star review on Spotify and you want to, you want to write a review so that we can read it. You can do that at 49ernuts at gmail.com. That's 49ernuts at gmail.com. Uh, and if you write a five-star review on Apple, uh, for some reason it doesn't notify us. So you'll have to use that email uh, to send us to let us know you did. And then that way I'll be able to read the five-star review and put it on the air. Um, and we'd like to thank our sponsor, Daniel Mayer and Mayer Creative for creating our podcast logo. Uh, anything else you want to say, Dan? Uh, just... One last reminder, because repetition is how you remember. This Thursday, 7.30 Eastern Standard Time, we kick off on Amazon Prime at the Houston Texans. And congrats to Nick Mullins. I hope you kick butt in Minnesota. All right, guys, that's out for the, That's it for us. Outro music, River Road by Justin Muth. Catch you next week. River Road, you got me running way back home. River Road, you got me running all night long. You got me singing some canal boat song. River Road, River Road, you got me running all night long.